Hello folks, this is Jason here, and thanks for tuning in to the Santa Banter Podcast. A quick message before we start the episode. The last thing we want is to ruin the Christmas magic for any children out there. We will be discussing some of the -the behind-the-scenes aspects of the Christmas season, so it may not be best for little ears to hear. Parents, we do encourage you to listen though. You might learn a tip or two about making the most wonderful time of year a little more magical. Anyway, on with the episode. And welcome welcome to Santa Banter, a podcast for those who love to get dressed up in the big red suit. Hi, my name's Santa Jason. And I am Santa Dave. And this is episode 21, A Sunburnt Christmas. Dave, how sunburnt did you get on your 21st birthday? On my 21st birthday? Oof. Uh, I don't Threw remember that my one 21st out of birthday. <laughs> <laughs> is that because it was so long ago or is that because of uh, various other events you got up to that night, that day? Probably probably a bit of both. Um, but, you know, it was, yeah, it was a bit of, bit of a time ago and... Uh, but my birthday does fall in January, so usually I would be pretty sunburnt in January. So you're not wrong. <laughs> and look, you are a fairly, uh, you know, of UK origin. Yeah, there tends super to be a bit pale. of a. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to let you say that, not me. I was trying not to be like, Dave, you're way too translucent for this Australian <laughs> summer. Just your stock standard white guy, really. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, uh, I know, I, I, yeah, I get burnt so easily. The other week, um, it was like 19 degrees and cloudy, and I was like, you know, I, like we went out to the golf course, and I was like, I don't, I don't need sun. I hate sunscreen, by the way. Um, just okay. a side note, I, I, I'm a little bit like weird with like textures and things, and I just hate having the yeah. the taste of sunscreen around my mouth and like Ooh. the feeling of oily skin. I and the smell, I hate it. Um, I know it's important. And I put it on when I need to, but when I think I can get away with it, I don't. Um, when and, you get told to by a significant other. Well, yeah, exactly. My wife slaps me on the hand and <laughs> tells me, you know, I've got to. Um, and, and look, it's something I need to get over because I obviously don't want to get skin cancer or anything like that. So we found like recently, mm. we found like a pow- like one that dries like powder on my skin and not oily. Like, nice. I don't, yeah. So I'm working on it. <laughs> but um, yeah, the other week we went to the golf course and it was 19 degrees and overcast. And I was like, yeah. I didn't look up the um, the UV. Um, didn't think I needed to. I was like, I'm pretty pretty happy with this. Um, it was four o'clock in yeah. the afternoon too. So like, you know, what usually usually there's, like, there was a rule when I was young. It was like no sunscreen after four o'clock, I'm pretty sure. So <laughs> um, wow. people always told me, hey, it's four o'clock. Yeah, the sun's starting to go down. Um but yeah, anyway, so maybe that was just in England. <laughs> maybe, maybe that doesn't apply in Australia. But yeah, yeah, so, whereas uh, Summer's Day only lasts and lasts for four hours long anyway in the northern top of the northern hemisphere. Oh no, summer, summer at night time, summer goes until about nine nine ten o'clock night times. Oh, and it's the you know yeah, I, it's the other way around. Winter, it's the winter, you, winter's dark by four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, crazy. But uh, anyway, so yeah, went to the golf course, got absolutely burnt um, the next day, realizing how badly it was. And then, um, yeah, had had peeling, ugh, peeling off skin and all sorts for like a couple of weeks and it was not good. Um, so I will be more careful for the rest of the summer. <laughs> I, uh, I use a, when I mentioned golf, we, I think we spoke about that 
briefly on the last episode, maybe. Or mm. we maybe talked about it in person, which we do often anyway. <laughs> but I started playing in December, as we've spoken about. And I wear a... Obviously, got not much hair on top. You can't see this podcast is an audio medium, not a visual medium. But the one of the cricket hats, the wide-brim, thick canvas mm. hats. Mm. Um, and particularly as well, because I've started growing the beard back since just before Christmas as well. Yeah. Um, or so just around Christmas. Um, and so for that period of time, having no, nothing on my face, that was enough often to not have to wear sunscreen on the face, but putting the mm. cricket hat on. So I think, Dave, I'll, uh, I'll get you a delayed Christmas present of one of these <laughs> Kookaburra cricket hats Ooh, to wear yeah. when you're playing golf. Yeah. Um, and then you can throw in the washing machine afterwards. That's the best really? thing about it. Mm. Oh. It doesn't lose the shape. There yeah. you go. So a bit tip out there for anyone who doesn't like sunscreen but wants to be outside <laughs> is these heavy-duty cricketers' hats. It's like 15 or 20 bucks from the sports shops. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. We're covering a lot already, Dave. Talking about cricket, talking about golf, talking about, you know, male skincare. Yeah, yeah. Looking after yourself, staying protected, don't want to get skin cancer. Like, no. All important stuff, really. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, look, we're here for everybody. We're here to help upskill everybody and um and you know what all this started with that question that you really threw me off with at the start <laughs> were you sunburnt on your 21st birthday how do you even come up with these things jason <laughs> uh that's a great question dave and once i figure it out i'll get back to you and get back to everyone who's tuning in to this fantastic episode of Santa Banda. And I, reckon actually... you, I reckon you always stump me at the start. You always throw a question that I'm not expecting and always stump me. So <laughs> I still think the best one was the Jingle Ring the jingle episode. Ring. Yes. Uh, yeah. Actually, I'm gonna put a bit of a put a bit of a note out there about Jingle Ring. We did an episode in the yeah. lead up to Christmas about Jingle Ring um, and talking about the video calls and, and stuff. We're and both pretty excited about that, it. Yeah. We're well, yeah, super excited, and both of us are really keen and. It was really unfortunate if only find out a week or so later that it actually wasn't going to go ahead. Um, you know, just a few things that didn't kind of line up for it. So, uh, mm. yeah, it was great to chat to Bree. But in case there were people who are wondering, hey, we never heard anything more about it. Um, after that, yeah, I kind of did my own thing for Christmas, as we sort of mentioned last week. And mm. um, Dave spent time on set. But uh, mm. I think we've got some exciting plans, Santa-wise, for this year, oh, yeah. Dave. But we've got another, like... What are you up to, Feb? Six or seven months before we have to start kind of actioning those? and Yeah. It's going to be a little it's... bit different this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's it's wild to be thinking about Christmas now. Uh, I actually, Dave, how's this for a treat? I got a phone call yesterday. And this is the second phone call, like not in my life, but the second time in the last 12 months where I've got a call offering me uh, touring music work that I, yep. you know my previous job before before COVID. Um, and it was a booking for New Year's Eve, roughly. Ooh. You know, it was booking for end of next year. I'm like, hang on a second. Am I in a time warp that yeah. this is, you know, they've just announced, literally it was an hour after the, the call about we're going to go back into lockdown for five days in Melbourne, just to timestamp this episode. Yeah. Um, the, and I'm like, hang on a second. This is just really bizarre that, got this phone call saying hey we've got some music work for you and i'm like uh has the last 12 months happened am i just <laughs> losing my mind it was yeah things anyway, people people companies everything's yeah everything's starting to go back to normal now um or was um was 
<laughs> there you go. There you go. That's a, well. Did you book it in for New Year's? It's a it's a soft pencil. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. As in, if it happens, that I'm in, and if it doesn't happen, I am well I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway. We move on. We're here to actually talk about something intentional. Uh, as what happens most time, here's a bit of a behind the scenes of Santa Amanda. Most times we record, we'll say, we'll meet at X time. And 10 minutes later, we join the chat. One of us is usually a little bit behind the other. It's usually me. Um, <laughs> not always. Well, the only reason it's not me is because I'm the one who sets up the video call. Yeah, so yeah. usually I, one of us, is, if it's me, then I have a message Dave. And then we talk for the first 45 minutes catching up and basically start the episode without recording and then we <laughs> launch in and here we are now you've caught a bit of behind the scenes of Santa Banner um, and we started chatting and we realised we should probably just hit record yeah. uh, because this week's episode I'm very excited for and um, it's our first one yeah since the start of December I think we've actually done it like this sat down face to face one yeah yeah um, it feels like a whole new podcast, Dave. It does. It feels so different. The fact that we're on episode 22, 21, sorry, blows me away. Um, you know, like, we're, we're, we're still going with this. We've got so many plans for the rest of the year. Uh, it, it's mm. awesome. And, and this, this, uh, this is an exciting episode because um, we're going to be talking about um, another film. And last time we spoke about that documentary together. And... Um, and it's it's cool. To, it's good to sit down and, and analyze Santuary films, and but this yep. one's pretty exciting. Uh, it's an Australian one, so and Australian things are better. <laughs> mm, yeah, look, it's <laughs> de- debatable. Um, I fully support the the Australian film industry. Fully, uh, there's some great Aussie films out there. But it's it's often hit and miss. Um, we just don't have the budgets that you know, other countries do to make film and TV, but mm. I think it's been getting better. Um, especially with like streaming services now in Australia, like yep. the, uh, funding a lot of these. And yeah, I think, you know, and, and we spoke about this off camera, but we're, we were discussing the fact that, you know, it's sometimes it's better to, to keep it simple and yes. simple Australian films are often better when they're not trying to do oh, too much. Yeah. I, yeah. That's exactly. And, I know this might be... This is a very un-Santa film. Mm. But you look at a film like Saw, for example, <laughs> which is an Australian film, and was filmed intentionally with only two or three locations because they couldn't afford to yeah. make... Like, they didn't want to spend a lot of money on finding locations and they were like, with two or three spots and we'll set almost the whole movie with two or three people in this one little room and a couple yeah. of other, like, other shots. And that is the perfect example of having a really interesting story mm. and having the interesting story lead the narrative rather than what you see on camera. Because I think, again, now we're turning into a movie podcast instead of... Um, <laughs> I'll be, it's Michelle and David, is it? Is that the one on ABC? Uh, is it Michelle? Da- David and Margaret? Margaret and David. Margaret. You, yeah. Obviously, you're David. I'll, I'll play a Margaret role. Um <laughs> I think as as a viewer, I can let graphics slide. I can let locations slide. I can let that stuff slide if the story itself yeah. tickles the right heartstrings and yeah. brain strings um, yeah. to be really engaged. And I think for me overall, it did that. This movie we're about to talk about more so than 
not. But also, yes. it, it intersects three or four very of, of my things that I love. So it spoke to me off the bat, and I can understand if it doesn't for everyone. But Dave, I'm j- launching way too far, and I'm talking way too fast. This coffee I'm drinking is way too strong. Yeah. How about you introduce the movie while I take a second to have a breath? Sure. So the movie we are discussing today is um, called A Sunburnt Christmas, uh, directed by Christian Van Voren, who is uh, one half of the Bondi hipsters, if anyone's ever heard of those guys. So you know that the comedy is legit Australian, like, it's going to be good. And you've got something to say, Jason? <laughs> oh, I have an amazing bit of trivia. And I was going to throw it in earlier, actually, and got sidetracked by my, you know, 14 rambles. David, for you Australian listeners, you'd be a, most of an age, of an, of an early to medium internet age. Do you remember Trent from Punchy? I don't. <laughs> video. Okay. So there was this extremely viral video, maybe like mid... 2000s yeah maybe late 2000s it's this guy who's from northern sydney and he's sitting there and he's like oh yeah spent some time up in woi woi got some mates max and doughies and lidcombe state just this really like bit of a you know real bogan yeah kid and it got passed around that these people had filmed this and like who is this kid and he's talking all this stuff and um, some of the stuff's not appropriate for little ears, but different to Christmas little ears. And they did a second one. It was just this ma- massive online thing, early, early internet content. I must have missed um, it. <laughs> and it turns out this is that guy. Ah. It was a comedy sketch. Yeah. Um, the Bondi Hips has made it, and I can't remember which... I think Christian Van Vuren was the guy who filmed and was the back behind the camera and the other Bondi hipster is Trent from Punchy. Right. So, uh, that was a long way to say the guy who made this is Trent from Punchy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so, it's like, sorry. <laughs> it's, no, no, no. Um, you know, I, th- I think this film uh, released on Stan. Um, so Stan, a, a streaming service in, in Australia. I'm not sure if it's available overseas. It might be. They might have sold the rights to other streaming companies mm. overseas. Um, but yes, it's, it's a Stan original film. And it's, it's a comedy. Um, but it's a good Australian comedy. It's like that Australian humour. Um, yep. It's subtle not in your face, but it's also, yeah. And you were speaking before you said like, it combines four of your favorite things, you know? Um, I'll let, I'll let you talk about that. What are your four favorite things? You've got Santa. What else? Well, maybe favorite is a bit of a strong word, but, uh, it opens the film. Well, I love, I love Australiana and country Australia. I should say yeah. like that kind of, you know, the country, not so much the country town for the country town's sake, but, the dryness, the colour schemes, the earthy side of it, the mm. the way that in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, the architecture and the design really like, I really enjoy that as well. Mm. Um, so there's that kind of visual aspect to it. Um, the out, not the outhouse, the, um, the homestead style house, which they're yeah. there in and um, having as a kid spending a lot of time on farms that that's very much part of my you know family backstory mm. um, but the opening scene of the film 
this guy is being brought into a hospital. And we'll try not to give too many spoilers, but it's not really a big... There's not a big twist to it, we should say. Um, and it's very funny to look at the start of this film and they're in a hospital and the whole film could have been adjusted had the security guards, which I do at the moment, security guard at a hospital, <laughs> as proper procedure, and as an OHS rep at the hospital, had the proper procedures and structures been done, this much like Home Alone, if a few proper things had been done, this movie <laughs> story wouldn't have played out the way it did. And that really, like, I love the, that side of, like, obviously, working the hospital and security stuff, but. Uh, you know, you could just... This movie would have been very different if they'd done things properly. I'm putting air quotes properly. <laughs> um, again, I feel like we're jumping ahead with that, Dave, but yeah, obviously Christmas, obviously food, it's just mentioned a bunch, and the far, uh, uh, regional Australia and uh, working in the hospital is very, very me. Yeah. yeah and a Paul Kelly song in the middle, Ooh. which we'll get to. We'll, we'll talk about that, yeah, yeah. Whenever there's a Paul Kelly song, it means oh, it's good, isn't it? Um, yeah, look, I think this film start. Let's talk a little bit about what it's about because <laughs> we're 18, yeah, let's... 18 minutes in. We, we haven't really spoken about what it's about. <laughs> Dave, give the plot summary because I'm going to be jumping back and forth like <laughs> I'm walking on hot coals here because I'm all over the shop today. So it's it's basically uh, a guy is in hospital, um, you know, obviously in trouble. With the police, um, so he's trying to. He needs to get out of there, um, and he sees a. It's obviously at Christmas time, and there's a there's a Santa visiting. You know all the children in the hospital, uh, so he naturally steals <laughs> the Santa's suit to get out of there, um, which is fantastic, and also steals the Santa's. Um, he's got like a like a vi- a, a, a ute or a, a panel van. van. Panel oh, van. That's right. A, a panel van. Like oh. <laughs> the Outback mm. Santa, he's called, Outback and uh, yeah, yeah. And anyway, so, he, so he's driving away, and then he has a car crash, a car accident. He, he ends up on this farm, and the children find him, and he's, while he's dressed as the Santa, while he's dressed as Santa, uniform, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, he he's taken off the beard and all sorts, and he just looks like a mess, um, real slob, like yeah, slob Santa basically, and. Yep. And the children find him and he convinces them basically that he is Santa. Um, and yeah, the movie goes from there. He tries to actually, he ends up being a good guy and helps them out. And there's a lot more things there that I don't want to discuss as spoilers. But it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's funny because you've got this, this guy that clearly not good with children. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, a bit of a criminal. Uh, then also, um, you know, hanging out with uh, hanging out with the kids, and uh, he's got all the tattoos. And uh, remind me if I'm uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was tattoos and it had names on them. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure they're all females' names too. That's just right. To be a bit like Ugh. bit cringe. Females' names, as in like you know, girls he'd been with. Um, and the, yeah, the seven or eight. Yeah, the kids. There was there was quite a lot there, and um, the kids were pointing at them and saying, "Oh, is that your naughty, your your naughty list <laughs> and that kind of thing?" And uh, yeah, he was like, "Oh yeah, she was very naughty." So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there were a few lines like that, and there's a few that I uh, I'll throw in um, that you just go, 
It was well, it was pretty good written. I wouldn't say it was very well written, but it was mm. definitely like appreciative for a. I suppose we'll just jump into this bit. If if you're a family that's got older kids, I'd say like you know, thirteen or fourteen up. I'd say it's probably suitable for that because there's yeah. a few things in it that might need a bit of you know, bit of kind of breaking down on on this sort of stuff. Um, but. Yeah, as a family film, and I, I really would love to see it become like a, a Australian Christmas classic. Bit of, not a staple, but like a, yeah. you know, I think it has that that level of like, right, it ticks a bunch of boxes. It's very Australian. It's also got a couple of good stories, but also it's a little bit complicated mm. with some of the characters in it. And that's what I want in a film. I don't want a character who's all good because no one is. Yeah. This yeah. is the David and Jason philosophical podcast now, but <laughs> yeah, I, I want a character that's as equally good and bad as what I feel I am, you know? Yeah. Uh, when, when, when the main character is antagonistic in nature, but yet the film makes you fall in love with them uh, and sympathize with them and all sorts, that's a well-written film. Mm. A good story. Um, yeah. And that comes back to our point before, Dave, where we feel that like the stories in this one drives, you know, the set's quite simple. It's yeah. it's on a farm and it's, you know, there's one or two other, much like Saw, not obviously not as intense as Saw, but, you know, it's it's on a farm and there's one or two other little shots of a service station or a hospital. But other than that, it's just on an open farm with lots of space and, um, mm. you know, the story kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, it doesn't rely on CGI, anything like that. The uh, We spoke about this a bit off camera. The The story is so good throughout. The um, My only complaint is towards the end, is when mm. it starts getting a little bit uh, Home Alone-ish almost. Yes. The bad guy of the, the film, the villain, the, the true antagonist, is, is typical... Disney villain in nature, um, almost, and and it gets a little bit silly towards the end with him. Uh, is my only complaint, and and yeah, you know, it's forgivable because it is a Christmas movie. You almost just forgive that, um, but it, it yeah, that's that's the only thing. It was so good, and I loved this film until it started to rush the ending a little bit, and and the, mm. the villain became that yeah, that Disney villain type, yeah. Hundred percent, and it goes from a really emotional lead up and a couple of really big things, mm. like huge story things, which I, I, I won't go, I won't talk about because I'll leave that for. But any film, here we go. This is the other part of what you're saying, Dave, about things that I'm really into. <laughs> any film set in Christmas that has a hugely emotional like start to the final act, you know, the mm. end of the third act and everything builds and whatever. At Christmas, then drops How to Make Gravy by Paul Kelly. Oof, yeah. In a film about Christmas and family and a prisoner who's on the run mm. gets this really emotional point and builds this amazing crescendo. And I'm literally, both times I've watched it, I've cried because I cannot, like, it. this song is the most, it's almost the perfect placement for this song it's almost as though they yeah. had this song and wrote the story backwards almost yeah, yeah. 
and then to go into the part you're talking about where it gets a little bit home alone yeah. just doesn't didn't sit very well with me uh, in that part. Yeah. But the whole film before that and then the section just sort of after that, if you kind of just tighten that or that's the part, like you're saying, that you, you have this amazing moment with this song and with this character and with this family. Um, actually, that's probably why we haven't actually talked about the family too much either. But just it just is a bit jarring and it lost me there for a minute. But second watch, knowing it was coming, it wasn't as pronounced. I was like, mm. okay, this this is the part that kind of supposed to lighten up that really serious mode before it. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. You said, you know, um, when you've got Paul Kelly there, and it was like, yeah, and and even that 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 song was cut off short as well. I think it just starts, and yes, I was getting quite emotional because, for me, I grew up in England, never heard of Paul Kelly until you know, yeah. um, I got here, and now like Adam McGrave, like that's 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 a such an emotional Christmas song for me now, um. Yeah. And so, yeah, it kind of hit me in the feels, but then it gets cut off, I think, pretty quickly. Uh, and that's when that third act just, just moves a little bit too fast and uh, it just doesn't sit right. But um, I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, the movie ties itself up quite nicely after that little section. You were saying, like, you know, the, the bit before and bit after it works well. So, mm. and, and, you know, there's all these characters that we feel... Um, they're not they're not simple characters. Every single character yep. in this film, except for that villain, is well fleshed out and just uh, yeah yeah. yeah. It, it's such a good film, and I think it will become an Australian staple, um, Christmas staple. I, I you know I I plan to watch it every year from now. Um, yeah, maybe not when we've got kids. But <laughs> well, when they're small enough that they don't know what's going on, like yeah. in that little bracket. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Just to fill out a bit more, because as as I've mentioned, I'm like all over the place today, but very excited because I'm excited to be doing this with you, David. Also, <laughs> talking about this film and the coffee I've had, and just the world's the world's spinning real fast. It's great, um, but the basic characters in it. We'll, we'll quickly touch on that so we can kind of go into the next bit where we actually talk about the Santaness. We've talked mm. a bit about the the film itself. So the main character, the lead character is, is a, as we said, a gentleman who has come in under police custody to the hospital. And, uh, you know, you don't, obviously at the start, you don't know what he's done, but as the film progresses, you find out. One thing I want to highlight with that scene, Dave, for anybody who cares, which, you know, feel free to fast forward for three and a half minutes while I do this little breakdown. <laughs> is that he comes in on an ambulance bed and when you're there, there's the two ambos with them. There's a couple of, I think a doctor and a couple of nurses and there'd be someone who's pushing to bed, the clinical staff. And there's one guard who mm. I assume if he's come from prison is a prison yeah. guard, not a police guard. So, yeah. you know, that, that kind of changed the dynamic slightly. But if that situation had happened in the hospital that I work in, for example... And you hear the, you hear somebody giving the rundown. That person would be brought into the trauma bay, and then the handover from the ambulance to the clinical staff would happen, so mm. that they know what's going on, rather than while they're walking mm. in that moment. Because I'd get him in there, and obviously he's stabbed, but he's not critical because there's that one injury. Uh, so the handover would happen at the bedside rather than on the move. 
He's handcuffed to the bed where usually he would be handcuffed either to himself or shackled to the bed because where they've handcuffed him, that's where you move the rails up and down on a, holly, yeah. on a hospital bed. And so if you try to move it down to access it, then you actually like... Uh, break his know, arms. <laughs> that's obviously done because it's easier to, to show that in that quick shot. You're trying to move the story quickly. I get it. Um, but then to have the one guard by there and he's like, oh, he's all right. Either that's a country thing and the country prison guard, but usually they'd come in twos so that one could have a yeah. toilet break or, but even then they wouldn't leave the side at all. So that's like, that for starters is a, was an issue for me. <laughs> uh, and you would then have probably hospital security as well as the prison guards. If it's someone who's a high risk offender, mm. high risk situation to help shackle them to the bed. So they wouldn't be able to get out of bed because they are a prisoner. Then on, so there's that. And then also the hospital door was locked from the ins like the big deadbolt so the only time you'd be in that is if you're at a spot in a hospital where you literally cannot leave because of the mental health act or, or whatever and you're in a seclusion because you're a particularly aggressive person and that's not even in the normal hospital they don't just lock the door like that so i just had a lot of i might even edit this bit out because i realize i'm just going on a massive rant but jason i've got to ask are you the kind of person that sits down and watches star wars and goes nah spaceships aren't real man <laughs> i only do it for things that i know yeah yeah stuff about no i tell you what it is um, really interesting to get the, the insight to I think how I might a hospital edit that out. runs no, no, no i think i think it is interesting to hear how the insight i'm just joking with you i'm just joking <laughs> No, at least my girlfriend's the one who would do that with Star Wars uh, in detail. But when I watched a film the first time, I might not have, I, I didn't notice as much. Second yeah. time watching, I was looking for the details. Yeah, no, that's but interesting. The, the reason that that all kind of plays into it is because the scene where we first meet Santa for the first time, the lead character is locked in this hospital bed and hasn't been shackled. There's no police security or prison guards with him, which is an issue as well which then would have prevented the story, the whole story happening. Yeah. And that's kind of like not the writer's fault, not anyone's fault. It's just a, if this happened properly, then the movie wouldn't have happened. Like Much like Home Alone, if they hadn't knocked over the milk on the bench, I'm pretty sure we brought this up on the episode, which would have spilt on the things. And as they were cleaning up the bench, they accidentally throw out Kevin's ticket. So that's how when they got to the airport and left him behind, they didn't realize they'd left him behind, but also... If they'd had the tickets, they would have like it's this one little thing yeah. that the rest of the movie wouldn't have happened. Open the money doors would have still or, been or sliding doors, that's what it's called. Yeah. Sliding doors. It. Yeah. So um that's where we meet Santa for the first time. And Santa wouldn't have had to unlock the room because the guards would have told him to go away. But Dave, <laughs> when we see that Santa for the first time, now we're thirty minutes in, we're finally talking about Santa on a Santa Claus podcast <laughs> movie review. The Outback Santa. Yeah. At first glance, and I might even we might even post a picture during the week of that's that Santa, who yeah. is the only real quote unquote real Santa in this outback South Australian town. What was your take on Outback Santa uh, when we first see him in the hospital? Yeah, look, um, it's not a great suit. It's not a great beard. I think you, you can see his like hair, the, the t- beard ties, all that kind of stuff. And it made me really interested to see if they'd ever spoken to a Santa. You know, Australian Santa Claus character actor because I I don't know any Santas that you know 
have that professional. So this is a guy that has his own business. This isn't a guy that's, you know, mm. a hospital security guard that's dressing up as Santa for a bit of fun. This is a guy that runs his own <laughs> what Santa business. What are you saying business. there, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the guy that runs his own Santa business. And it just wasn't... Uh, it was, yeah, interesting to see that there wasn't that much effort put into it. And I don't know any Santas in Australia that were doing it as a, you know, a job that would would not put the effort into into that. So it was a bit like, as I was watching, I was like, oh, maybe they should have spoken to some Santa mm. character actors just to get some context, because um, it's almost like, uh, it almost makes a joke of the work that we do, or to a point, like, because we, we do take it very seriously, you know? It's a, yeah, yeah. quite an, uh, a job that we, you know, there's so much goes behind it. The, the fact that all, all all of our centers we we talk to each other we we've got this base rules that we you know lay down you know we um i think you know we we there's a lot of like um law that we've got to um run with and and all this kind of stuff and yeah so i think when you see a, a santa who's supposed to be a professional santa dressed up you know with the, the visible tie the visible um elastic or a bit of hair coming through yeah mm. I think uh, he was a volunteer on that card. There's a card that they referenced later on, which I really enjoyed. Ah. There is the, the scene where he's like, oh, the, in the... Sorry, the rest of the characters, quickly jump forward half a second, is when, when the character breaks out of... Steals the Santa outfit, Santa we're talking about, steals the car, meets this family on their property when he crashes the car. When he meets the family, there's a question that's asked that... He's like, oh, I've got to make money to support my kids, he says. Mm. And the daughter's, the oldest daughter says, but you're a volunteer. Right. So there's a part of me that lets a few of those little things slide if you're a volunteer. Not that you shouldn't, but I think that... Uh, tell me how you feel about it. If you're a volunteer Santa who's doing, say, on the back of a CFA thing or, or yeah. a, at a kindergarten for your kids thing, does that let you have a little bit more... give you a bit more space in your presentation or do you think that just because you're not getting paid to do it and you're doing it because you're doing it for a good deed or because you enjoy it, mm. maybe like we've done before, mm. does that mean you get a license to be a little bit more flexible? I, again, another big philosophical oh, yeah, question. Yeah, I don't know. This, this is uh, this is a big question and it's one that I've never really thought about before. Um, but yeah. I'll, I will give you a second to think about it yeah. because... I just want to highlight, for those who do watch the film before we get there, the Santa that we meet at the hospital, uh, credit where credit's due, the suit, while it's not the full, you know, perfect suit that we've spoken about before, it's a decent quality suit, Mm. decent colour, decent, like, reasonable. He has no skin showing except his face. He's got the gloves on, which is a big, important one. He's got the spats on, the same ones that we would wear on set. Um... He's got the belt, and the belt almost looks like it's exactly the same ones that we get given on set, the ones that don't last a full season. It's that same kind of vinyl-looking one. So purely on that, he could have almost... The, the beard is a much worse version of... It wasn't yes. great. The beard was needed some work. And it's just his general face, maybe a bit of makeup or a bit of like powder or something just to soften it up a bit. But in terms of the suit... I think he gets a pass. Okay. For some yeah. of those little details. Yeah, I think the suit but is pretty good. Yeah. Now we go back to the point where you're saying about is a volunteer given a bit more leeway to 
only be at 80% of what you'd expect a paid Santa to be? Uh, yeah, I, I guess, I guess. At the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, there's so many Santas around Australia that take it very seriously. Mm. Um, and so it's almost like a... Like, how do I say this? Like a an FU to... Um, Ah. To, to Santas that do take it seriously if you don't put in the whole effort. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's a difficult one because if I'd never been involved with a company before or, you know, speaking with speaking with um, Santas that do take it very seriously, maybe I wouldn't have the same attitude. You know, yeah. I think because I've been involved in this, in the Santa culture for a long time now, so six, seven years, maybe that's why I've got the, these opinions. Um, yep. maybe if I'd been, I'd never had this Santa experience and someone said, Hey, do you want to dress up as Santa? I probably wouldn't put that much effort into it. So yeah, I, yeah. um, whilst I, it annoys me now, I also kind of empathize with that a little bit. Like I, yeah. So I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I, I, I don't think it did a disservice to our Santa brethren. Okay. But I definitely agree with the fact they probably didn't speak to too many professional Santas um, in how that character was played. Yeah. But I suppose the next part is as this gentleman who steals the Santa suit, takes the Santa ute and crashes into it, the next part of it is how do you feel the, the um, what's the word the theology of Santa oh I like that I'm mm. going to have to the, the, the Theo I suppose more meaning God rather than Santa but the like Santaology the, the, the equivalent of theology that he uses on the kids throughout the movie to try and get um, you know to make sure he doesn't help the parents and get them to believe in him and believe get them to help him get back on the road to find, to complete his, um, what he's searching for, mm. which happens to be on the farm, which is a very early establishment. Um, how do you think his Santa theology sits? Does he say the right things? Is he accurate in his statements? Uh, obviously when he's a criminal and he's crashed and he doesn't have the full Santa, he's got the red pants and a white singlet, which I have no problem with that because he's not actually Santa and he's just <laughs> trying to keep the kids yeah. string them along. Yeah. Um, but the theology that he used, Dave, how do you, how do you feel with that? Yeah. I think, uh, I think, look, he's very good at improvisation. Uh, this character, he was very, and, and you know, that's half of our job is improvising and making things yep. up on the spot. And, you know, um, he talks about the sack a lot and, you know, um, it's, it's, the bag, the sack, the bag. The that's sack. it. Yeah, go. Yeah, that's right. It goes between the bag and the sack, and the kids correct him a lot, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's what I meant," you know. Uh, so look, his theology isn't great, but it gets it gets better. And it, look, the thing that you know you can appreciate is that improvisation that we we have mm. to do as Santas. Yep. You know, he's got Big that tip. down pat. He just needs a little bit more research behind him. <laughs> the uh, there's one line where. Uh, Another little important plot point is that the youngest girl, who's I think five or six, she's fantastic. Yeah. Because there's a drought, she's trying to shoot the clouds to bring the rain, which is not a crazy. If you've grown up in the city, or, or 
or kind of not across that. It's not the craziest thing you'll hear. It sounds crazy, but there's like some uh, backyard meteorology theory to it. Yeah. And I don't understand it, but I know that it's not like completely plucked out of nowhere. Um, but she's shooting the gun and the oldest sister says, stop shooting the gun. You're not going to bring the rain by shooting the clouds. But the idea is that when this guy crashes into the shed, that she, this young girl, five, six-year-old, thinks she's shot Santa. So that's how Santa kind of drags her in to get what he wants done. But there's an amazing line where the brother, the middle child's like, if, you know, if you're not careful, you shoot down Santa. And then the kids are like, well, if Santa gets shot, the reindeer can just fly him to hospital. Mm. And I'd never had that question about what happens if Santa's sick on the sleigh mm. and what happens or if Santa gets injured on the sleigh. So I wouldn't have had an answer to that, but that's a really interesting question to throw in the mix of answers, Dave. Because yeah. sleigh can, the reindeer can take him. But then the kid asks, what if two reindeer get hurt too? <laughs> How do they... Mm. Anyway, that's that was a little interesting thing that I'd picked up from it that mm, that's something that I've learned as a Santa watching this movie to help answer questions. Kids kids always have the best answers for Santa, don't they? It's almost like, because they're so creative and so, you know, quick on their feet, like it's almost like we need to get all the answers. We need to get the kids to write the questions, the complicated questions, yep. and then kids to answer those complicated questions, and we'll, that we'll, yeah, we can yeah. write a book about it and research it from there. Um, Amazing, yeah. Yeah, and you, look, you spoke about the middle child, the boy. You know what I love about this movie is the fact that it's... Um, it's a it's a modern family the fact yes. that and they barely touch on it like it, they don't make a big deal out of it so just to, what i'm referring to here is that um the mum is uh asian vietnamese i think it was um yeah i can't remember i didn't write that down it's i can't exactly remember time. but um but, but she's the, been over a couple of generations though so like her, yes. her family ties are southeast asian and has been on the farm for yeah a she's aussie as yeah yeah 100% but <laughs> the middle child is a, is a white kid, right? And so, um, yeah, he doesn't really look like part of the family, you know, traditionally. But the the great mm. thing is that they don't really do that. There's one comment, you know, where he goes, you don't really look like the other two or something like that. But that's it. They don't really touch on it anymore. Mm. And I love that. That's so good because, uh, you know, uh, my, my wife's family uh, all look very different. Um, to each other because yeah. of their, you know, how they came together to be a family. And, and uh, you know, so I love that um, because it is, you know, not every family all looks the same, you know, and there's yep. different circumstances yeah, yeah. lead to different. And so, yeah, the fact that they didn't make that a big deal either. And that's why these characters are so well written and complex is because um, and they literally could have been, they just couldn't find a kid that age that looked the same as the mom and the the sisters. But I don't think, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. Um yeah, I the love kid that. looks like the dad a lot. Like when you see the photo of the dad later yes. in the film, yeah, you go, yeah, I can very much see how that's the son. But there is that moment of the two sisters don't look like that, like the dad. The sisters look like the mum. But it, it it is that moment of like, well, it doesn't matter because if whatever the situations that led up to that point, it's not what we're here for. No, that's right. Still we're here that this family is in the situation they're in, and we are joining them on the ride. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's really good. Yeah. Mm. All right, well... There is a spot where... um, Oh, sorry, Dave. No, you go. You go. I was going to say, there are a few questions that get asked with the kids, particularly the the youngest kid who's quite switched on and the son who we talked about who's a little bit 
uh, a bit, bit of a, a scared kid in general and, and it kind of plays out throughout the film. But um, yeah, there's one scene where the youngest daughter's like, he know, like who is it? He's like he knows if you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Really menacingly, like <laughs> using that like friendly Santa thing against itself. It's quite a fun thing. But that some of the things that Santa says, and this is kind of this part of the thing they're talking about, the quote unquote theology of Santa. Uh, I'll I'll read them out to you, Dave, and tell us, give us a, like a summary whether you think it's accurate or not. Um, if the adult, if an adult, Santa says at one point. If an adult was to see me, I'd explode and die. Is that something that a Santa would say? No, not at all. No. Not at all? That would scare too many kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one was... Um, actually, I've lost my list here. Uh, Santa... Here we go. This is another great one. Santa using the kid the, the son's the way the Santa used the son's name to mm. try and um, get him on side is that something you would do on set like if seeing it written on his um, the kid's pillow <laughs> oh, would yeah. you use a trick like oh, that yeah. on set oh 100% um, yeah yeah absolutely if kids wear it sometimes they wear a hat with their name on it or a shirt with their name on it or uh, and I'll go oh uh, uh, Jimmy right I remember you and if, if if it's not their name then oh sorry must have got you mixed up like uh, can you remind me your name again it's close to that yeah just improvising yeah. but um, yeah, uh, yeah 100% yeah there's always kids coming with their name somewhere it, it happens at least a couple of times a year I see I, I can tell a kid by what they're wearing or yeah yep another thing that Santa said that uh I'll see what you reckon. Um, when the kids ask where Santa's sleigh was, yeah, and he says it metamorphosized into a panel van. How, was that is that a line that you would use? How would you attack that if a kid saw you getting out of or getting into a everyday vehicle? Ah, uh, yeah, I think so. I think uh, obviously you try and avoid that situation, but if that were to happen. Not a bad cover-up because magic, you know? Mm. Because magic. Because magic. <laughs> uh, and there was one more here. Um, the way he explained time. He, obviously, the guy, the, the criminal himself, isn't a particularly smart person. Mm. And to try and explain to the kids how, why he was delivering presents at that point but it's also not Christmas yet. And he's talking about time being a flat circle and the quote unquote space time Christmas continuum, basically baffling them with BS. Mm. How would you have attacked that one, Dave? What's oh, your yeah. professional Santa way of explaining why he was delivering presents at that time and why the bag that he's after isn't the red Santa sack? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's fine. I think, I think baffling kids with, you know, things that sound legit, uh, I think that's that's fine. Um, although I don't know, I almost feel like that if 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 we're talking about the the Christmas time continuum or whatever it was, you know, and the fact that he's delivering presents early or, or or whatever, is that not something that we should all be talking about? I guess it's that fine line of like, well, if not all Santas are going to use that story, then maybe we shouldn't tell mm. that story. But at the same time, if you're in a tricky conversation, you need to get out of it 
probably not a bad way of doing it. Yeah. It's almost like the the sand, at least the Australian Santa quote-unquote theology, until I come up with a better word, I'm going to use that one, almost needs to have a little bit of um, structure around it so mm. that we can all be on the same page so that one Santa says one thing and some Santa says the opposite. But I think ki- maybe kids at a point can be swayed easier than an adult. Like if you were trying to explain it to an adult, yeah, which I love to do. And I think we've both had this conversation about how much we love trying to convince people Santa's real yeah. with adults by having these conversations on how it would work logically. Yeah. Um, I think we might need, if we do that on a broader scale, we might need to like fine tune as a community, as a Santa community. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one he said, and this is, this is the last one before we kind of, I don't know what, what more, we can talk about, we talk about philosophy, yeah. politics. Yeah. yeah. Um, is he says, uh, one of the kids says, but Santa, you know everything. And Santa turns around and goes, nah, that's God. How do you, um, <laughs> how would you attack that one, Dave? How do you, how do you feel that one went down? Oh, um, yeah. Like uh, the way it's said in the movie is not like, I think it's coming from a, Oh, I don't want to offend anyone here. Uh, look, I, <laughs> I think I think the way it's said in the movie is that they're basically like you know, oh, that's also a, that's a different made up character that you're thinking of. Uh, that's, I didn't that's, read it like that, but that's a good uh, point. So that's what I read into it as, like you know, oh no, that's a different made up character you're thinking of. But, um, <laughs> but Cheeky, yeah, I, I don't tend to mention, you know, the the religious aspects of Christmas mm. uh, when I'm in Santa because. You know, I think obviously Christmas comes from a religious background often, but, um, and there will be people and families that, you know, that's what it, you know, that's what Christmas is for them. But I tend to separate the Santa and, and and for a good reason too, um, a lot of, uh, I'll, I'll give an example here. I was walking down the street as Santa in, um, in a, in a a town this year and, uh, a woman was furious at some kids she's like an older woman turn around at the kids and she said you're you're too old to believe in santa like these kids were like what? eight nine right she literally started going, you're too old to believe in santa you should go read the bible and like all sorts like that and um and i was like oh did i how to approach this <laughs> i just heard my way through and um yeah so i think i think santa is is for everyone at christmas no matter mm. what religion belief yeah so tend to not it's a broader cultural thing than just (laughs) yeah that's for the adults to debate Mm. and the kids will get there at some point and make their own decisions i think yeah um the last thing i want to throw in dave is the it's it's a hard one in a way that the kid right at the end when the main character comes back and he's not pretending to be santa they know that he's not santa the little kid goes, I know you're Santa. And the other, there's another Santa sitting at the table who's not a very good Santa. He's got his no, no beard, no gloves. Like, it's almost like a guy dressed up like you would get dressed up at any dress-up party. It's yep. barely I'd call a Santa. But this kid goes, the youngest one goes, I know you're Santa. The other ones are the fake ones. You're the real one, <laughs> even though you're not in costume. And sometimes to try and tell people you're not Santa is they believe it regardless, even if they saw you, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you could tell them that you're not the real one, for example, not that you would tell a kid that, but 
they'll believe it regardless, even if yeah. as much as you tell somebody something, it's it's still like deep down you're Santa to them. Yeah. Does that make sense? If I kind of sum that up? Yeah. I and that kind of sums yeah. up the movie is this this guy basically becomes Santa to them and helps the family out after being trouble. Yeah, I guess. I guess I guess that's that's a good way of summing it up. Yeah. Of course, of course we are all the real Santa, so you know. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, that's uh yeah, that's very true. We're all the real Santa. We're all the real Santa. Um I could genuinely keep talking about this for a lot longer, but we're already getting close to an hour and we've talked about a lot of stuff really quickly. Um, Dave, give us your summation of the film and um, basically people who have lasted this long, why should you go and watch it? And how many uh, candy canes out of five do you give it? Yeah, Great Aussie film, fantastic story. Uh, mixes the comedy with the the, the emotions uh, to be a Christmas Aussie staple. Four and a half candy canes out of five. I would say I give it four candy canes out of five. The bit we talked about where it just gets a little bit kind of home alone mm. at a point um, after having an amazing emotional build-up. Um, just kind of dropped it back half a notch um, for me. But the references, and there's even Australian references in there that I had to look up. There's a reference to the Australian Christmas tree, which I Googled yesterday and learned all about how it's one of the biggest parasites in the world. So when you get there, have a look at that. It's fascinating. Um, But I didn't know that. So to actually teach me something as well as making me, take me on an emotional roller coaster, um, it's fantastic. And... The other thing to note is that it was shot during the year, during, uh, you know, obviously lockdowns and COVID in South Australia because it was a lot easier to shoot, obviously, things in there and the yeah. cast had to lock, lock uh, quarantine and all of this stuff. So to put out a really heartwarming film, it's still actually a couple of points references viruses and lockdown and stuff. Um, was a great way to watch that and have a snapshot in time as well because um, it's set in current day. Yeah. So. Yeah, I give it four Davids and Margarets out of four Santa Davids and Santa Margarets out of five. Santa Margaret, now that's something I'd like to see. All right, let's put the word out there. Um, Santa Dave, anything else before we wind up? I feel like there's so many threads that we have still left unthreaded. Oh, 100%. Um, but uh, if there's anything that anyone's listened to today that they think they want to hear us talk about more or. If anyone's got any suggested uh, questions for me to throw back at Jason at the start of an episode to stump him, <laughs> uh, please send through an email or message. Um, but yeah, the yeah, we'll, we'll we'll finish it off there, and I look forward to uh, speaking again in the future, Jason. I definitely think we will, and uh, I just want to end the episode on a really controversial topic, Dave. Ooh while we talked about how much you love Paul Kelly, that Dave Dobbins song that they use in it, could happily never hear it again. Yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, And so, Dave, as we approach the usual end of the episode, hitting the 60-minute mark, um, it's time to give us a uh, da-da-da-boom-boom away. (laughs) Da-da-da-boom-boom. All right, here we go. (laughs) No, I know. Let's do the... Let's let's keep it real, Dave. (laughs) 
Alright, <laughs> here we go. Three, two, one. Oh! oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Alright. Oh, that's a pleasure, Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you'd like to get in touch, we are Santa Banter Podcast at gmail.com or search Santa Banter Podcast on Facebook or Instagram.